last week I talked about the gift of persecution or the blessing of persecution. Today, I want to continue on that theme in talking about preparing for persecution. Second Timothy chapter 2, I will begin reading in verse number 23. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, which sums out about 90% of social media, but I'll continue. Knowing that they generate strife, and a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. If that doesn't sum up our time right now, I'm not sure what does. We are in a place in the history of, of the world where persecution for the Christian faith is a real thing. It's not just something you read about. In, in Christian history books or about some of the wonderful saints who have given their all for the faith, this is something that we are facing each and every moment of each and every day. The question becomes, are you ready? Are we ready? Are we prepared to stand against persecution that truly in our American minds seems unthinkable? just unfathomable. Are we ready over standing for the faith and being true to our beliefs to lose friends? Now, I'm not suggesting we walk away from anybody, but there may be people who, because of the positions we take and the truths we hold to and our, for no other term to use, stubbornness for not letting go of what the Bible claims is true they may walk away from us. Are we prepared to lose friends? Are we prepared to lose or significantly alter family relationships? Are we prepared to lose status in our neighborhoods and in our communities? Are we prepared to even, in reality, lose business opportunities? Have our places of employment or opportunities for employment be significantly impacted? And ultimately, looking at the martyrs of all time, are we prepared to lose life for the sake of the gospel? Now, I will, be admit, I, I will admit in our American context, all this seems severe. But many of our brothers and sisters today around the world are dealing with these truths and these realities and these choices every moment. So the question becomes, how do we prepare for the persecution that we've not realized or not experienced, but that our brothers and sisters have been experiencing for many, many years? Second Timothy chapter 3 Begin reading in verse number one. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, 
traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Are we ready? Uh, that, those verses I just read in Second Timothy sounds like I could have given a news report on the state of things in our culture. Are we ready? Well, if we're looking for examples to be able to follow, the Apostle Paul is a good one, because he was. Turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 20, where he is making his way from all of his various missionary journeys, where he has experienced success and also experienced brutal times, where he's been beaten and left for dead. But now he, the Spirit is calling him to go to Jerusalem. Acts chapter 20, I'll begin reading in verse 22. And see now, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing that the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify that the, to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that, that now I know you, I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. I have to admit, of the eight missions trips I've been on, every single one, I fully expected to come home. I never had the thought in my mind, well, what if I don't come home? Here Paul is saying, I'm going to Jerusalem, and I don't know what's going to happen to me. I don't know what awaits me. Every place I've been where the Spirit testifies that I need to go there, it tells me that chains and difficult times and challenges await me. I don't know specifically what's going to happen. One thing I do know, as he's talking to people, we're not going to see each other again. We live in extremely challenging times. How do we prepare for the persecution that seems inevitable to be coming our way? I make the claim it begins with the word of Almighty God. Many Christians will say, but that's why I'm in church each week or I attend a Bible study to learn more about the word of God. And let me be clear, that's good. But hearing the word of God is not enough. It won't adequately prepare you. Why? Matthew chapter 7, a story I'm sure you're all familiar with, a parable that Jesus gave, a lesson he gave. It really wasn't a parable. Verse number 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand, and the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. I want to draw your attention Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, 
Hearing the word of God is a good thing, but it's not enough. It's got to be a hearing that turns into a doing. We must obey the word of God, and therefore we will stand against the evil one in the evil days. We stand firm by hearing the word of God. But then we also stand firm by living the word of God and following the word of God. Because even in the days of heavy and constant persecution, we are called to be witnesses. Now that's the thing. More often than not, when you know someone's after you, you try to avoid them. We're not looking for a confrontation. But when you know that a culture is after you, that a society is after you, what we're called to do in the scriptures is not to hide, but to continue to be witnesses to the truth. Pastor, what are you talking about? First Peter chapter 3, starting in verse number 15. But sanctify the Lord God to your, in your hearts. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. With meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. Those who revile your good conduct. That sound familiar to anybody? We try to do anything good for anyone, and it's turned on its head and turned upside down because people are just interested in their own agendas these days and their own ideologies and not seeing the good that can come from people who are following the Lord Jesus Christ. They just go to hot-button issues. How dare you call same-sex relationships sin? How dare you stand against a woman's right to an abortion? How dare you say that Christianity is the only way? Well, let me dare. Christianity is the only way to the Father. And Jesus said it himself. The only way to the Father is through the Son. And I've mentioned this before. If you have a problem with that, talk to the one who said it. I didn't write it. Talk to the author. How can you be so narrow-minded? And bigoted. How can you be so, and this is the one that I think bothers me the most, how can you be so hateful? Ever been approached like that? Ever been told the positions you have are not just different, or not just perhaps out of the mainstream, or not just with it, or what people believe today, but actually told that the positions you hold are hateful? Peter says, when you are approached like this, notice he didn't say if you are approached like this, that we are to give an answer. Why do you follow Jesus? That's easy. He saved my soul. He's brought me joy. Don't get caught up, in, and I just see it this way, in what are just useless and pointless arguments. I am nearly 100% convinced that it is impossible to persuade anyone in an argument 
that starts, lives, and ends on Facebook. It's it just impossible. You're not going to persuade. All you're there to do is vent. People go on there with what they believe, they vent, and they leave with what they believe. I call that pointless. But it says, notice we're to give an answer. And to give an answer in meekness and in fear. And in many of your translations, it may say in gentleness and with respect or reverence. We are to respond giving respect and dignity to the people who are coming at us. But they're disrespecting me. I have a one-word response. So, doesn't matter what they're doing to me. It doesn't matter how they're screaming at me. It doesn't matter how they're hurling insults at me. It doesn't matter how they're defaming me. My God gives me the power to stand firm and to return good for evil and give them the love that they're incapable of sending my way. Romans chapter 12, verse number 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. But pastor, I can't show respect to someone who shows me disrespect. Yes, you can. Paul told the church at Philippi that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Now, we normally and accurately use that verse in conquering mountains and being able to overcome all kinds of challenges that face us. But in the context of what Paul was talking about in Philippians chapter 4, he says before he gives that verse about I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which is in Philippians 4.13, he says above it, I know what it is to be hungry. I know what it is to be brought low. I know what it is to not have enough. And then says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So an accurate look at that is not just I can do all things, I can put up with all things through Christ who gives me strength. It has amazed me in our current Christian environment how thin-skinned most Christians are. They're almost as touchy as everybody in the world, and we know how easy it is to offend people in the world. Someone comes and says, the sky is blue, and you say, but I see cloudy skies. You've offended me. You're coming against my inner being. All I did was mention a few clouds. Stop your hate speech. I'll never forget, it, it only happened a few times. When I umpired baseball, there was a game, 11-year-old boys, and it was the, one of the later innings, and the team that was behind had a chance to score some runs and go ahead, and there were two outs. And the young man came to the plate, look of confidence, felt like he was on top of the world, no one was going to beat him, took his position in the batter's box, put the bat on his shoulder, and never took it off his shoulder. 
and the next three pitches came right down the middle, and I was behind the plate. I called strike one, strike two, strike three, have a seat. And that was the end of the inning. I can tell you with all honesty, transparency, and sincerity, I did not feel bad for that 11-year-old, not one bit. I was following the rules of the game. He walked back to his dugout, and I thought he was going to burst into tears. That I felt bad for. That situation should have ended right there, but it didn't. Why? Not because of the player, not because of his fellow teammates, not because of the coach, but because of his grandmother sitting behind the backstop. His grandmother, not even his mother, his grandmother, who told me, how could I do that to her baby? How could I ruin his psyche that way? How could I damage his self-respect? And all I could say was, tell your baby to take the bat off his shoulders. Amen. We have the power of Jesus in us. We are the Lord's army. We can take it. We should be able to anyway. Now, I'm not suggesting that we become doormats. And I only said one thing to that lady, and I'm not going to repeat all the other things she said to me. I'm not suggesting that you and I let people walk all over us. But you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Now, I believe in balance here. I've found most people will respond kindly if you treat them with respect. Amen. Notice I said most, not all. Those that don't, be kind and respectful anyway. Well, what good is it going to be being mean and nasty back? After all, always remember, even to someone who is speaking meanly and in a nasty tone to you, that they that you are talking to someone who was created in the image of Almighty God. Which means that's them. We can walk victoriously in his power. For we know and practice his word. So the first thing is we must know and practice his word. But the second thing about being prepared for persecution is to be aware that it's coming. We read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. In the last days, perilous times will come. I don't have enough time to give the names of every Christian I have heard tell me we are living in the last days. And I don't disagree that we're living in the last days. But if we're living in the last days, the Bible is clear the general environment and the atmosphere that it will be in the last days. So if these are the last days, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to ask God to make things be like they're not going to be in the last days. 
in the last days, it will be challenging. In the last days, it will be perilous. In the last days, people will be lovers of pleasure and not lovers of the Lord. They will care more about money than about people. That's what the last days will be like. That's what the Bible teaches. So we're in the last days. And look around us. This is to be expected. Acts chapter 20, verse 24, from what we read before. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Things look pretty bad right now. That's because they are pretty bad right now. And especially from a Christian morality perspective. Life is not only fragile, it seems cheap sometimes. People have become a whole lot more tribal, looking for different ideologies or thinking processes to latch onto and say, us and no more. An unwillingness to call people who think or live differently friend. Materialistic, no self-control, unforgiving. Yet if you ask the average Bible-believing Christian, like I said, if they believe we're living in the last days, they would say yes. So then my comment to them would be, if that's true, what do you expect the last days to be like? It wasn't going to, there is no place in the scriptures where the last days are taught as good days. They're not taught as harmonious days. They're not taught as days of peace and calm. They're called perilous times. They're called a whole lot of things, but I'm going to stick with the scriptures that I've read. Perilous times. So my question, in liking the scripture from Matthew 7 that Jesus taught about the two houses, and basically the references that our lives are a house, is our house ready for the winds of persecution? Are we ready for the storms that are here, let alone the ones that are coming? My question is, are our houses, meaning our lives, ready for the winds of disrespect? Why do you spend so much time, what's that place you call church? Why do you even go there? My question is, are we prepared for the approaching storms? You know, when we look on the news, especially if there's a storm approaching or a severe hurricane or some other type of weather disturbance, we watch intently. Why? Because we want to follow the track of the storm? We like seeing it pass from one state to another? No, we want to be prepared. Seeing it coming then alters the actions that we take. We move in different ways. We make other arrangements. We buy food differently. We store things differently. We check up on people differently because we see a storm approaching. I see a storm approaching, which means that it should change my behavior. 
And one of the things that's at the top of my list, and you probably can guess where I'm going with it, as I see the evil day approaching, we need to gather more often, not less often. As you see the day approaching. But how can I prepare the word of Almighty God? Aren't you thankful for the word of God? Aren't you grateful for his word? Not just to read it, but to memorize it. To know that it can sink deep within our hearts and be a source of joy. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That can get me shouting and saying amen in any situation that I face. But that Psalm, Psalm 23, shows me many things. But two of them are that in life, I will walk through seasons that will appear deadly. And the other thing it shows me is that I will have enemies. I really like to think of myself as a nice guy. I'm a nice guy. Who would hate Hiram? He's a nice guy. He smiles. He laughs. He enjoys just about any food as long as it's cooked. <laughs> Not eggplant, but you know, I said just about any. And I'm thinking the less eggplant I have, the more for all of y'all who like it. Yeah, he's a little strange sometimes. He walked into the chocolate capital of the world, Hershey Park, and ordered vanilla ice cream. <laughs> Caught some grief for it, but my comment was, well, they served it. So if they're serving it, I'm going to eat it. And we can take it very personally. And all of a sudden, someone walks away or moves or creates distance in relationship because of a position that we take that's taught in the word of God. But Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. If they came against me, they're going to come against you. So that means you're in good company. And we have a choice to make in preparing for persecution. Are we going to stand with popular opinion and the way we feel about being disrespected? Or are we going to stand with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? That, to me, is an easy choice to make. I will stand with Jesus. I said Psalm 23 showed me 
two things about deadly seasons and enemies, it also shows me one other thing. I will never be alone. We will never be alone. There are strange things happening out there. There are evil things happening out there. There are many things and attitudes that are even seeping their way into the body of Christ. But we stand on the truth of his word and no other. But this opinion is so popular, is it in the word of God? But so many people want to go this way, is it in the word of God? But other people get angry if I pursue that line of thinking, is it in the word of God? We're called to do many things in this day. And the first thing is to stand and be still and see God move. Lord, have your way in this day. Stand with me, please.